All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first episode of the podcast. We're going to call this podcast Paddle, Pedal, Fish. We're going to talk about uh, kayak fishing, uh, mostly in the state of Indiana, but then uh, how it relates to everyone around the country here. And uh, we're going to have uh, plenty of guys from Indiana that we're going to talk to throughout the season. Um this first episode, we're just going to have, we've got five of us on the line here, and all of us are have some sort of affiliation uh, running different uh, tournament organizations within the state of Indiana. So we're going to go through and um, give introductions about ourselves and our clubs and a little bit of information about the clubs, and then uh, talk about some upcoming events. Right now, most of our upcoming events, due to the fact that we do live in Indiana, are actually national events, and we're going to discuss a little bit about those throughout the throughout the night here and a few other issues to discuss so we're going to get this started um we're going to do some introductions first let's start out uh with alan reed alan why don't you tell us uh, what club you represent from indiana uh, what your various affiliations are and maybe just a little bit of information about yourself you'd like to share with everybody okay well i'm alan reed um the uh tournament series that I'm um, an admin for in Indiana is the Southern Indiana Yak Anger Club, SIAC. Um, it's S-I-Y-A-K. Um, uh, most of our events are focused down in Southern Indiana. Um, uh, obviously, have a, a club championship that's moving to a little bit more of a remote location, so try to give people some uh, you know, some new waters to fish that maybe they haven't before and, and try to take away maybe some of that advantage that somebody might have. Um, in addition to that, um, late last year, um, I worked with uh, Sam Jones, and we co-founded a Facebook group, um, Who's Your Kayak Bassin? Um, that kind of started up to try to be a way to be a focal point for all of the different series, um, as well as the anglers that we have here in Indiana. Um, we felt that that was one of the things that we could do a better job of in the state is promoting our anglers or having good success and give them the opportunity to put their uh, successes out there as well as, you know, some of the sponsors, um, the pro staff positions they have out there to you know, bring the benefit to those businesses. So it's some good information about SIAC. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, though, Alan, like, uh, you know, what your history is with kayak fishing, um, fishing sure. in general, maybe, some of the things you look forward to this year uh, personally. Okay. So I started kayak fishing um, three years ago out of a less than $200 kayak you pick up at a hardware store. Thought I'd stumbled across uh, a new thing that maybe nobody ever had before and I could get out there where some of those bass boats were on on some of the smaller waters here in Indiana. Um, wore that one out in a year and made the decision to, to buy an actual uh, fishing kayak. Um, at that time I, I still use a, a Wilderness Radar 135 um, which fits my needs. Um, you know it's, it's light enough that I can get out on some, some different waters. Um, and allows me the, the pedal drive there. So it's, it's a good fit for me and the, the waters that I, I fish around the state and then, you know, some of these national events. Um, that first year, I, I jumped, you know, just head in, um, fished 
somewhere like 24, 25 tournaments that first year between SIAC and IKA. Um, we had the KBS Classic down on Gunnersville that year and all the KBF uh, challenge events. Um, I had uh, Chad Brock series that year. I did a couple of those events. Um, so just kind of got into it and, you know, and just really enjoyed it. Um, you know, made a lot of friends, got to see and experience a lot of different things um, through kayak fishing. And, you know, personally for me, I like that the, you know, it's kind of that mix of, you know, kind of that physical piece of getting yourself out there onto the water getting you where you need to be. And then there's that mental piece too, right? You're always out there challenging yourself about, well, you know, based on these conditions, where are the fish and, you know, all that stuff that, that everybody that's fishing goes through. Um, but it's kind of that mix of both. And then, uh, what, 2018, um, started to branch out a little bit more. Um, you know, I had the KBF national championships, um, fished, uh, the Kentucky Lake trail event, this last year, as well as the Hobie Bass Open down on Kentucky Lake. So kind of, you know, broadened myself, getting out of there into some of those um, bigger tournaments, um, as well as did the local ones. So about 2018, I fished an even 30 tournaments. And, uh, man, it's a lot of fishing. I'll tell you what. So so this year, I'm taking a little bit different approach uh, for myself. I'm going to go for a little bit more, um, I'll say, kind of quality versus quantity. Um, and, and, and just be a little bit more particular about what events I am fishing, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm looking forward to the, you know, all the stuff we have going on here in the state. Um, we got some good waters we're going to be fishing this year between all the tournament series and, uh, you know, going to some new places that people haven't been for tournaments before. So that's going to be pretty fun. Um, one of the things that we did with the SIAC this year is, uh, we have a whole fun fishing side. So for those people that aren't interested in, you know, the tournament and competitive aspects, we have some, some events that might appeal to them. Um, things like, uh, an event just going out and you can only fish a hollow body frog or uh, a Sanko event, um, where you can only use a five or six inch Sanko. And we've got some different locations around the state that you can fish those. Um, obviously going to do our, our family day, um, in June which is always fun. You get to try out some different people's kayaks. Um, you know, people bring fish that they've caught, um, different dishes that, um, to share with everybody and, you know, just get together, you know, talk about family and friends and, you know, your fishing experiences for the year. Uh, it's always been a good time. I like the idea of the single lure events. Just don't have a Ned rig event or if you do make sure Aiden doesn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think every event is a Ned Rig event for him, isn't it? Right. <laughs> so, Chad Brock, why don't you give us a little background on yourself and a little bit of information for everybody to get to know you a little bit? Well, I am, uh, I'm obviously, I'm Chad Brock, and I am representing kayak anglers. And in Indiana, that is kayak anglers of southern Indiana. Um, that trail is actually founded out of Pennsylvania by Noah Heck and um, a few other gentlemen. So it's a, it's a growing national trail. Our, our division of it is, is just the Indiana chapter, which, um, which ties into New York, Pennsylvania, 
Um, then we have new to this year, we have Ohio, uh, Northeast Ohio. So, uh, it's a, it's a trail that's growing and, uh, you know, it's, it's just fun to be part of it. And it's, uh, it's a good thing. So with that, uh, we've got several, several new events this year that, uh, we've not had before. And, you know, it's, uh, one of those things that we're really looking forward to and, and watching it grow and fishing some new water ourselves. So that'll be, uh, that'll be exciting for a lot of these guys that have been, uh, used to fishing the same thing since, uh, we started, I think, uh, gosh, Jason, it must've been four years ago now, or maybe five. I don't even remember. It feels like forever since we fished that day out in the rain, but, um, <laughs> fish fishing that day out in the rain is the understatement of the day. It's sort of oh like saying God. it's going to be cold tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, um, it was a monsoon. Um, I think you said across the lake and I couldn't see you and, and it wasn't that big a lake is the bad thing. So, um, but a little bit about me. Um, I am actually, um, national pro staff with, uh, Jackson kayak. Um, I've been working with them doing social media, um, over on Instagram. We just created a new, um, fishing only outlet. So it's something we're kind of excited about at Jackson kayak. Um, trying to get people, you know, swayed over that way and, and trying to, um, you know, better promote our fishing products. Um, <clears throat> aside from that, I own, I'm actually the creator of Bass Crazy 365 and the co-owner. Um, I've got a good friend of mine that uh, partnered with me and we've been, we've been working on that off and on. And, you know, it's just uh, between tournaments, uh, boat shows and everything going on with Jackson Kayak. I don't, I don't get on Facebook much to talk to people, but, uh, you know, it's a good time and we stay real busy. So that's, uh, it's kind of me. I've, uh, been kayak fishing for quite a while now. I don't even really remember. I think maybe four, well, be four or five years at this point. Um, I'm a crossover from big boat world. I actually, um, was a national tournament director for USA Bassin, which is, a little national tournament trail that um, is based on amateur anglers that spreads. I think uh, when I had departed, we was in 25 states. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, I just felt like it was time to do something different. And at that time I was working with Bass Pro Shop and they asked me about the kayaks. I jumped in one and tried it out and never looked back. So that's uh, that's pretty well my story. Hey Chad, this is Alan. So I just wanted to ask you, what is the p- appeal for you coming from a bass boat getting into a kayak that's kept you in a kayak? Well, to be honest, I was younger when I started. Um, you know, uh, it was it was new and exciting. I what we what we started with Bass Crazy three sixty five when it was born. The idea was fishing no matter what to catch your next bass it it didn't matter every way um was fun it didn't matter if it was a pond if it was a creek uh out of a john boat a bass boat it just it does not matter it was just the thrill of bass fishing and and that to me is just another way to catch a bass it's not about one's better than the other it's more about that's a way to catch a fish and 
it allows me that opportunity to get out there and do that. So that's, that's kind of the draw for me. It's more of a, it's always been more of an adventure um, than anything. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow up that question with asking you the same question, Alan, what, did, did you have a history with bass fishing prior to getting into a kayak or was kayaking and fishing uh, started out the same time for you? And what do you see in so, the advantage of kayak fishing over, over the big boats? Yeah. So I, um, I started fishing, I'll say four years ago. Um, but I was catfishing with my wife on the bank and um, I'm the kind of guy that likes to stay busy and stay moving and doing those kind of things. You know, I've always been a, um, an athlete, you know, either bicycle racing or, or racing triathletes and that kind of stuff, right? That's just kind of my nature. So just sitting on the bank catfishing just didn't do it for me. And so I told my wife that, that year that I wanted to uh, teach myself to bass fish because that, you know, it's kind of that action and that, you know, kind of nonstop uh, movement and, and trying to figure it out. And so, uh, that's, that's how I started. And then that Christmas, you know, she bought me a, a bass rod and reel and, and I started teaching myself. And then that next year is when I jumped into the kayak. So, um, I actually till this last summer, I'd never even stepped foot on a bass boat. Um, you know, I'd been on wreck boats before and, and, you know, just do a little bit of fun fishing like that, but, but that's it. Um, you know, the appeal for me about a kayak is, you know, you're just, you're just right there and you're, you're, you're right with the water. You know, you can get back into some of those places that, uh, there's, there's never going to be a boat get back there. And, you know, you kind of can be isolated away from, from everything that's going on. And it's just you, your rod and your reel, the water, and hopefully there's some big fish underneath there. Right on. It's nice to, nice to know your your background on that one. I was always curious. So, Mr. Strunk, would you like to give us some information about yourself? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with the club that we've started. It's called Grassroots Bass Yakin. And it's kind of a spin off of uh, uh, the Bass USA, or USA Bassin that Chad was talking about earlier. Um, we're going to try to kind of do that in the kayak where it's more of a lake series you know there's all kinds of options for everybody to fish these trail series where you gotta travel all over the state and we got you know we got a lot of people that live pretty close to nice lakes that they're familiar with and they you know that's probably where they fish for the month longs or whatever and i thought well you know why don't we just start a try to start a uh, lake series for that so that's kind of what we did and the way we're going to set that up is is we're going to have uh, the anglers choose whether they can fish saturday or sunday it's kind of like a night tournament during the day you know like whenever you sign up for a night tournament you could you gotta pick which night you're going to fish on but we're just going to do this for a saturday or a sunday and we're limiting it to 14 anglers per day um that has to do with indiana regs or whatever you know not allowed to have more than 14 then you go get permits and pay fees and all that stuff so we're trying to stay under that per day um we're going to have tournaments on geist bluegrass and patoka one weekend and we're going to have tournaments on monroe sullivan and lake james series 
And uh, each one of these lakes is its own division, kind of like USA Bassin. So each lake's going to have its own anger of the year. Uh, and we're going to track the, the scoring based, you know, for that, for that lake. There's going to be five different tournaments and the anglers have to fish for those five to qualify for the angler of the year and at the end of the year we're going to have um, a championship where we take the top two anglers from each lake series so we'll have 12 and then we're going to do like a raffle or whatever anybody that's fished at least four out of five tournaments at either one lake series they qualify to be in the raffle and we're going to pull a name out of that and well we're actually going to pull two names out that way we'll have 14 at the grubby state championship and that's going to be a two-day on-site tournament that we haven't decided where it's going to be at yet um uh, that's that's pretty much the club thing and, and myself i'm pretty happy to um represent um sun valley sports indy this year i'm going to be on their hobie fishing team for the first time so that's pretty exciting um i'm also on the kistler team kistler rod team um catch catch makes great product i'm also there's a new tungsten um company coming out it's called titan tungsten they're just getting started they're actually just taking pre-orders right now and their first products are supposed to be out in march and uh, on the water innovations, I'm happy to represent them. Um, Denny makes a great trailer and also um, a bed extender called the Wishbone. It's pretty awesome. He's actually going to donate one of those for the um, Crossroads Championship Team Championship tournament that we're going to have at the end of the season. And then there's a little company out of uh, Kentucky, Bite Freaks. He Bite Freak Custom. He makes he hand ties a lot of uh, jigs. He also has tungsten, but he um, that he makes that he sells on that. And then also never lost gear. So like never lost gear and catch kind of go hand in hand. So that's pretty much it on me. And then I don't know some of the other questions that you asked, like Alan and Chad. How did I get started in fishing? I kind of grew up. I kind of grew up fishing with my dad and my grandpa. We used to. Um, you know river fish for catfish quite a bit or my dad had a little john boat we'd go out with we'd, we'd um catch panfish he liked to we'd like to catch them and clean them and have big fish fry later on in the year get the family all together and kind of hang out and have a nice fish fry um we'd go up to michigan every year and salmon fish we'd back in the day you could snag salmon you'd stand on the river and cast out a big weight with a hook tied on it and like yank it through the water you know you snag these salmon that was that was an awesome that was an awesome rush we now i guess now you're not allowed to snag them you gotta go up and like actually try to catch them in the mouth i'd i'd love to try to catch one out of my kayak out of the river but i don't know it might be a little bit dangerous but it'd be <laughs> it'd be pretty cool to try that. <laughs> what what um, fun thing is it dangerous at some point yeah no kidding <laughs> no kidding but so um, how long ago did you get into kayak fishing oh actually i just got into kayak fishing um three years ago i started 
you know, I'd always bank fished or, you know, catfished or whatever, fished out of this little jumbo boat. And me and my wife camp a lot. And uh, we was down at Starve Hollow, and they actually rent kayaks down there. Me and her sitting there on the dock fishing, catching these, like, uh, you know, there's probably only like two-inch bluegill or whatever that was right right around the dock. And I saw all these people out in kayaks paddling around and, you know, a few bass boats. And I told her, I was like, I, I wouldn't mind trying trying that. So I went and rented, rented one of those little kayaks. I think it was like a... 10 foot set inside kayaks wonder i didn't flip over in it but um i actually caught like a nine inch bluegill while i was out there and that little bluegill drugged me around in that kayak and i mean i was like instantly hooked i started youtubing kayaks and i found this guy out of texas named uh tony big bass tony for uh venture tubes and i started watching some of his stuff and he was in a hole i started looking at the prices of hobies and i was like man i don't know about that you know and i, I got on craigslist and found a couple used ones or found a used one and went down sugar creek in that little as a 10 foot of sin sit inside and i whenever i creek fish i like stopping you know at the little sandbars getting out and fishing the uh, current breaks after the sandbars are leading up to it and getting in now that kayak i'm not very young you know i'm i'm 50 years old now so you know i was 47 at the time i guess so getting in now that kayak about 15 20 times going down that creek about wore me out so i got back i got back to camp that night and put that on craigslist and sold it the next day and then uh found me another one as another ascend i got i got the bigger one like the one 28t or whatever it was and i used that for a little while and i kept watching big bass tony on youtube and and thought man i'm gonna start looking around for that and i found a kid up in indianapolis that just turned six or not indianapolis is up towards uh gary up in there he just turned 16 and he had this yellow hobie i didn't really want yellow but he had a good price on it so i drove up and picked up that yellow hobie and you know I just can't imagine fishing out on anything else right now. That it's a awesome product. I'm really happy to represent Hobie this year. But I don't know. That's pretty much how it went down. I can speak with a little bit of history that uh, the Hobie fishing team is is a is a quite an honor to be a part of, and they do a good job of taking care of their anglers, and um, they really do a good job with their their grassroots movement on that and. Uh, I'm sure they're happy to have you, and congratulations on that one, by the way. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Brad, I think you're you're next. <laughs> I think you probably have a, a, a little bit of uh, overlap with what Jim just talked about, but why don't you give us a little history on yourself and, and the organization you're representing today? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm uh, representing Grassroots. Uh, also, uh, I am the founder of SIAC. The, uh, which I've kind of stepped away from that uh, and I'm going to focus my efforts with, with Jim and Grassroots this year. Uh, but SIAC's uh, definitely in, the, in good hands with Thomas and Allen and Matt and Kevin. So uh, they're going to have a really good season this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to focus with Grassroots this year and uh, uh, some other things that I want to work on as well. And uh, which I spoke to you a little bit about earlier today, 
and uh, at least get the ball rolling on some of the stuff. But uh, um, as far as getting into the kayak fishing, um, was really, I guess, about three and a half, four years ago. And uh, I was actually on the verge of purchasing a boat. Uh, and one of my customers who actually has a boat and a kayak, he uh, actually pulled his little flip phone out and he said, hey, man, he said, before you go buy a boat, check this out. And he showed me a picture of himself sitting in a little Ascend 10-foot uh, sit-in kayak. And something that I had really never thought about before. So kind of like Jim said, I started Googling kayaks and checking out different things. I knew I didn't want to set in kayak. Um, you know, at that time, again, I'm, I'm 51 now. So I was 47, 48 years old right in that ballpark. And I knew I didn't want to crawl in and out of one of those on a regular basis. So uh, I ended up finding a uh, set on top. And uh, that's kind of how I got started in the, with the kayak fishing. Um, let's see, uh, other than that, um, there ain't a whole lot there other than, uh, of course, most of you guys know what I do. I'm, I'm a professional sales consultant, uh, father, husband, um, and, uh, just an avid angler. All right. So I guess I'm last. <laughs> I'm Jason Young. I'm I'm one of the members of the board of directors for Indiana Kayak Anglers. Um, I've been doing that for several years now. Um, we've worked pretty hard to build a build a series here in Indiana, and um, I think we've, we've got a pretty solid thing going. We don't, we don't do anything um, outside the ordinary as far as uh, events go. We we do our four regular season events and uh, one championship at the end of the year. This year we're adding a few other things. Um, we've got our, we've got a good schedule going, I think, this year. Um, we sort of stumbled upon a formula for the last couple years with two lake and two river events trying to kind of mix up the the bodies of water a little bit. So we're doing that again this year. We're going to be on, on Summit Lake, which is near Newcastle, Indiana, um, part of Summit Lake State Park. We've had a lot of, a lot of requests for that location. Um, so we're going to go ahead and try that out to start the year out this year. Uh, then we're going to head up north, fish Tri Lakes, which is uh, a small chain of lakes up in uh, up in northern Indiana. Beautiful water. Um, probably will frustrate a lot of the more southern guys because they are natural lakes and they are clear water. Uh, in fact, the only time I've ever fished them was actually for trout. Uh, good good trout lakes. Went up there with uh, Mike Densel and uh, learned to trout fish a little bit and had a blast. Uh, fishing up, finishing up the year uh, on the Tippecanoe River, which is actually a, a new river for us this year. We've we've fished um, up in Northeast Indiana, up in Fort Wayne. We've we've done the the three rivers up there: the Maumee, the St. Joe, and the St. Marys. This year, we're going to head over towards the west and do Tippecanoe. It's a quite a big, uh, quite a popular river for smallmouth. So we're going to head that way, and then of course we're going to finish up the regular season with our white river event which will probably never go away it's always very very popular um the numbers of nice small mouth that have been caught in that event each year have have grown and grown and don't expect that to change anytime soon um what we are doing this year is new and i think jim touched on this earlier with the crossroads kayak bass series 
Um, we're going to send a team from Indiana Kayak Anglers to participate in that event. That's a team event. It's going to be over in Illinois this year. It's actually run by, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but it's Alan Weidermeyer, Weidermeyer, one of the two. And um, it's going to pit, uh, I think currently there's nine teams from Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, and Indiana um, against each other to to uh, battle it out over there in uh, Newton, Illinois. That'll be there this year, and then hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to host that in Indiana sometime soon. That's uh, that'll be a good time, I think. Um, we're also sending we're kayak bass fishing a KBF partner club, so we'll send our top five uh, AOI from uh, Indiana kayak anglers also to the KBF national championships in 2020. That seems hard to say. Um, myself personally, um, I've been kayak fishing for five or six years now. I don't really remember. Uh, my history is that I grew up in Northeast Indiana amongst all those, uh, natural lakes up there and, uh, did a lot of fishing with my dad growing up. Uh, he's a, he likes to tournament fish out of a bass boat. And so I grew up doing that. Um, I like to tell people that, that the hardest part of that was deciding which one of the 60 lakes that's 30 minutes from our house we wanted to fish when we got up in the morning because uh, there's a lot yeah. lot to do up there. And that's kind of how I got into kayak fishing. Then I, I came to Muncie to go to Ball State University and then stuck around the area after graduation. I've worked in the area ever since, and I, I really missed fishing. And I've never been nothing against it but i've never been much of a, a bank fisherman i've you know i've always spent my time out on the water and so um started thinking it was probably time to get back into fishing as a, as a hobby and uh, a buying a boat just wasn't in the in the cards for me i didn't really have anywhere to store it um anybody that's owned a boat know how knows how expensive they can be especially with gas prices the way they are now um, so I started looking into the kayak world and bought me a cheap set on top kayak from, from Dunham's a little sporting goods retailer in the area and haven't looked back. I spent, uh, several years on the Hobie fishing team. Um, not doing that anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've just, I've loved it. And then of course I'm competitive by nature, so it didn't take long for me to go from, fishing out of a kayak for fun to looking for kayak tournaments to fish. Uh, one of my early, um, Hobie fishing team, uh, host was, um, Portside Marine that was in the time was in, at the time was in Westfield. And, um, they'd like to, they would throw one or two events a year and I'd go and participate in those of course. And then, I've done a few, I've done a Bluegrass Yak Masters event down in Kentucky, uh, fished the first three Hobie Bass Opens on Kentucky Lake. I fished a couple events up in Michigan. Um, hoping to do some more of that this year. Running running the ICA events is, is difficult to actually fish them too, uh, just because there's so much going on throughout the day that I tend to just want to make sure everybody else has a good time rather than me trying to fish too so i'm hoping this year i can spend a little bit more time fishing other people's events so I'll, i'm hoping to head down south and fish a couple sciac events and maybe hop on geist for a for a, a grubby event 
we'll see what happens. But that's one thing that's tough about living in central Indiana. Um, there's just not very many places to fish. When I first started getting into the kayak thing, I thought it'd be great to be able to get on smaller bodies of water and even, even private water. Uh, unfortunately, most landowners are not real keen on letting people fish their private lakes and private ponds. Um, they think they're, uh, they think that is a liability for them. And no matter how much you put Indiana law in front of them and prove to them, it's not, they don't, they don't fall for it. So that never really panned <laughs> out the way I hoped it did. I did a lot of planning at one point, trying to find all the little bodies of water and retention ponds and stuff around here when I, when I first got into it and just not too many people are real keen on that one. So public water it is but um that's pretty much it for me i just hey so before we jump off of jason here there's two things i wanted to (laughs) to bring up so the first part about jason um just give a little bit of background maybe on how this happened right so uh you were kind of looking at some ideas for doing some podcast things right and and as i mentioned sam and i were looking at doing some of the similar kind of things and I, i reached out to jason and uh and you know, he had done some podcasts last year with um, IKA and was trying to get some information, right? We got talking, and, and so it was kind of a collaboration of, right, we've, we've kind of seen this and said, hey, this is a, a good thing that we all do. And and Jason has graciously accepted to kind of take the responsibility of recording and, and publishing and, uh, you know, all that kind of behind-the-scenes work um, that everybody doesn't get to see that goes into this. So um, definitely appreciate Jason. Uh, stepping up to do that stuff thanks alan i I hope we can all work together on this throughout the year and and really come up with some stuff that uh, benefits everybody you know benefits uh selfishly benefits our organizations that each of us run uh you know and then benefits the anglers of, of indiana and surrounding areas and really hope we can i think all of us together have uh have not only seen this sport grow tremendously, but have assisted in the fact that it is growing tremendously. Um, anybody that fished our, our opening event last year on West Boggs can attest to uh, how, you know, even though that was an Indiana kayak anglers event, the, the work that Brad put in with SIAC to get, to get, uh, to get the school stirred up down there, if you will, uh, really contributed to the participation we ended up seeing in that event and and uh that that was to me was the first big sign of collaboration and i hope we can kind of keep that going uh even you know just through this podcast and and events throughout the year most definitely the other thing i wanted to follow up on and you kind of mentioned this and um was maybe some of the differences in our series because i think we have a little bit of everything or something for, for everybody that's out there, right? So, Jason, you kind of touched on IKA is a mix of lake, two lakes and two rivers. Uh, Jim touched on um, his series is is lakes um, with series on a lake, and, and those are around the state. And then, Chad, yours are all rivers, correct? No, that is, uh, that's not correct. We've actually got... Um, we've actually got just two lake events and three river events this year. Um, most dominantly we've only usually had one river event. Um, but this year we are changing it up and going to some, 
to some historic water and, um, you know, kind of following the um, Hoosier Open Trail, I guess you could say, um, which they're probably the most predominant bass trail in, in southern Indiana. It's it's the one that you want to fish if, uh, if you're going to be fishing in the big boat series. So when you say historic so, water, are you talking Patoka, Monroe? <clears throat> no, actually, um, we're headed to the Ohio River. Um, oh, our our first event out of the gate um, on uh, <clears throat> April twentieth. Um, we're headed to Tanner's Creek, um, which is right. Basically, you're looking at Lawrenceburg and uh, Cincinnati as your as your two major areas that are uh, in that zone. So that's that's going to be our first one, um, our second event this year. We are heading to Brookville in May um, on the 18th. So we're going to give it a go, which is another Hoosier Open event. And then obviously you have to have Monroe. Um, if you're, I feel like if you're living in our area and and being a bass boat guy from back in the day, you know it's Monroe's just got its own nostalgia and everybody wants to win at Monroe. It may, may be tough fishing at times, but I think there's always something there and always, always a little peace of mind that if you can walk away at Lake Monroe with a check, then you feel pretty good about yourself. Um, then our fourth event of the year, we are headed back to the rivers and this is an event. I think a lot of people had wanted for quite a while, at least in the Southern end, and that is White the three rivers around Columbus, um, which are our end of White River is the East Fork. Um, so you're looking at East Fork, White River, the Driftwood River, and then the Flat Rock River. All three of those, the Driftwood and the Flat Rock come together, they make White River. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of been an event that we've been looking at for two years now um actually fishing around the area i myself have been traveling up uh with nick brummett marcus grubbs um levi and andrew have obviously put in some time on the white river and it's an event that we all liked and we wanted to figure out a way to make it happen so this year we're gonna we're gonna do our very best to make that happen um our last event this year is going to be on august 10th and that is going to be the good old bedrock beatdown or white river bedford and that's just our closer uh you know it's this is a different end to east fork um it's dammed up it's a little bit deeper uh it's it's different fishing <laughs> as as some of you well know that have been there <laughs> yeah that that it, that it, event threw me off when i fished it because uh, I'm not a river guy. I never claimed to be, but if I'm going to fish a river, I'm fishing rock. Couldn't find mm-hmm. any. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have taken uh, some from the parking lot and thrown it in the river on my <laughs> way because then I could have fished it. But our our end of the river definitely makes you work for it. Um, there there are good fish. Um, again, back to USA Bass, and we run um, Wednesday nighters and weekend events through there all summer long and there's some pretty good fish brought in. Um, it's all about, uh, making some moves and, and that's a, that's an instance where, like I said, you're going to have to work for it. Uh, being that we don't, uh, we don't do trolling motors. You're, you're all human powered out of the gate. So you're paddling or pedaling and, um, you know, 
you're going to make a run to find your fish. And, and that's, that's just kind of a, it's, it's, we keep it around because it's home for us. Um, it's our local area. The ramp is actually literally two minutes away from my back door. Um, we don't, we don't fish the river often, but it's good to have a set time to get out there and, and make it, make it fun for everybody. So that's what we do. We, we offer a lot of prizes and different things at that event. And this year, um, we're pretty excited. Jackson kayak and kayak anglers are stepping up and we're going to get a, uh, Jackson kayak bite to give away at that event. So that's nice. going to go out to our angler of the cool. year and it's, uh, you know, just one of those things that we're really looking forward to. So that's pretty cool. Uh, hey, so, I want to touch, yeah. <laughs> want to touch base a little bit on, uh, Jason, what you were talking about, the growth of the sport. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I had a blast fishing that tournament with you guys last year. And, uh, I don't, I can't tell you how many fish I caught that day. It was a bunch, but, <laughs> you know, that tournament uh, still gets talked about. I, I just, uh, <laughs> somebody pointed me to a post on kayak bass nation. Uh, I think I talked to somebody about it this weekend at the, uh, honey Creek fishing show. Yeah, it was you and I, Jason. Yeah. And then I actually found that thread today where, s- uh, Steve Martin, maybe. Brad so, Oswald. Oh, uh, it was Brad that made the comment about the, the, the discussion was over the three to five fish limit, but the, the specific example he gave was that event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I want to touch base with is it was really neat that, uh, the first, you know, the, the turnout that we had, but the, the thing that, that I found kind of interesting was that we actually had so many people that the, the park, uh, at one point, said we couldn't have the tournament is, is that correct yeah about uh two days before the event when, when yeah they yeah. they they were like oh my gosh because they were they were kind of <laughs> freaking out about how many people we were actually going to have there and, yeah uh, but that just that's a that's a prime example of you know the growth of this sport how it's just exploded i think uh <clears throat> to follow up with that even though they were really scared about the turnout we we anticipated and then uh then the turnout we actually ended up with and it was way more than they expected and way more than they thought they could handle um the sportsmen that the sportsmanship that everyone that participated in the event showed uh eased their minds quite a bit um you know we didn't have any problems out on the water that i'm aware of we didn't have any problems at the boat ramp or any of the parking areas or anything uh everybody did exactly what was expected of them and uh we left we left a good impression in the kayak the kayak angling world left a good impression on on west bogs park good yeah awesome so before we jump off of series um Everybody else talked about what they had. I mentioned our, the SIAC family stuff or the fun stuff. Um, SIAC offers uh, a mix of, of tournaments. So they do um, it's every other month. They do the online challenges where you can fish any public water in the state of Indiana um, from the, the start time, which is on the first of the month to the last day of the month at the ending time. Um, but then that you know that's April, June, August. And then between those, we have the on-site events. So we're going to be fishing uh, Bischoff Reservoir, which is Batesville. We're going to be doing uh, Southern Indiana White River. We're going to be doing um, a nocturnal event as well. So that's uh, kind of what Jim touched on earlier, where you have uh, 
a time that you get to you get to fish. That'll be either August 16th or August 17th. Um, and we did try to target that around the full moon again um, for the spawn, or uh, not not the spawn in August, but you know having that light um, so we can see um, a little bit easier than than we do some of those times. And then the uh, championship. Um, oh, I skipped one. I skipped September. So that's going to be Hoosier National Forest. Um, so that'll be down in uh, southern Indiana um, on a few different lakes there. And then the uh, championship is going to be on Lake Waveland, which up uh, kind of west uh, Indiana, kind of halfway up the state there. So. Um, so I think if you look at all the different series we have here, right, there's, there's something for anybody. Um, you know, if you want to travel a little bit, you have that. If you want to fish some of these waters that are in your backyard, month long events, uh, not, uh, you know, not, not a shortage of, of stuff to do. Um, also with SIAC, um, we're also a KBF partner, so we'll be qualifying people for the, the national championship this next year. And then, um, uh, the crossroads as well, like Jason mentioned. Um, Chad, you didn't you didn't mention anything. Did you have any anything that your anglers are qualifying for? Our anglers are actually qualifying for the kayak anglers uh, national championship. So, what you'll have is um, we'll have I believe it's going to be two anglers this year. They will qualify for the opportunity to head out to an undisclosed location that uh, Noah has not announced yet. And they will compete with, obviously, um, Western PA, Eastern PA, uh, New York, and then uh, the guys out in um, Northeast Ohio. So it's, uh, it's a pretty pretty neat opportunity, and, and you get to fish in different place for a championship. And they also, of course, have a team event that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand along with that. So if anybody else wants to register and go for that, they can. Brad or Chad or uh, Jim, what are you? What are you your anglers qualifying for? Well, we're part of the uh, crossroads. We're going to be sending our five anglers over there based off the angler of the year points. Um, we've uh, put in, you know, we're brand new. This is our first year. We've got an application in to be KBF affiliated. We're still waiting to hear about back about that with uh, Chad Hoover's. At, you know, setback that he's had here. I think it's kind of slowed that process down a little bit and we should be hearing back, you know, anytime I've uh, messaged Lynette and she said it's, you know, they should be making a decision pretty soon. So we should know about that. I expect us to be KBF affiliated though. And we'll be sending our top five to the national championship at Lake Gunnersville next year. Um, Chad, I'm going to direct this one at you because I think you may have a little more insight than the rest of us. And I apologize if this is a dumb question. But do you know, uh, is the River Bassin Trail with Drew Gregory, is that still going to be a thing this year or is he done with that? Well, obviously, uh, Drew has had a new bouncing baby boy and um, he's just, uh, you know, got some different things going on and he's just kind of slowing down a little bit maybe and trying to focus more on hooked on wild waters is a uh, TV show and 
you know, I think it's going to slow down. He was looking for somebody else to uh, head that up this year mm-hmm. and, and give it the attention that it needs. But um, I have not heard from him yet to know if he is going full on with that or not. Yeah, I was just so, I was just poking around on the website and I didn't see any updates for 2019 yet. So yeah, I was kind of curious about it, that. It's been it's been kind of. A lot of us have been kind of waiting to see if he does anything. I would assume if Drew moves ahead, it will be probably a just a championship like what he did last year with maybe the onlines. But um, there again, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't heard anything. So anything that I say, I'm not trying to cause rumors. I, I honestly <laughs> don't have it. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Um, maybe this would be also a good point to pop in here uh, regarding – Indiana and Chad Hoover, um, I'm sure most of you guys have known, but uh, others that might be listening won't know. But Chad's actually going to be at the Indiana, sorry, the Indianapolis Boat Sport and Travel Show this year. Uh, he's going to be there every single day of the whole show. Um, he's going to be presenting uh, some kayak bass fishing topics at the Hog Trough, and he'll also be there, I believe. Uh, f- with a booth for KBF. I, I mean, no, I know he has a booth, but I think it's a KBF booth. I don't think it's bona fide specific, but uh, but he'll be there, so it'll be a nice opportunity for uh, for exposure, some more exposure to kayak fishing in Indiana. Is having him presenting at the hog trough every day. Yeah, that's real cool. I've actually never met Chad in person, so I'm going to make sure that yeah. changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him being there will be great because he, he is, a, he's a big personality. Right. Uh, he really is. It's, um, I've got to speak with him several times in person and he's, he's just a big personality and, uh, he'll definitely, uh, uh, he'll draw a crowd every day. There's no doubt about that. Indiana kayak anglers will have a booth there. Uh, our booth doesn't necessarily get a lot of traffic. Kind of, they uh, they provide it for us as part of their travel and tourism section. But uh, we've done that every year. At least gets our name out a little bit. We'll have a small display there and pass out our schedule and stuff for the year. So that'll be kind of cool. And uh, of course, we have a lot of um, a lot of the org- uh, retailers, I guess, that have supported. Indiana kayak anglers over the year are also there and have a big presence at the sport show every year. And that's uh, moving waters outfitters and, and sun Valley sports. Jim, I assume you'll probably be there with the, with, with sun Valley, at least a couple of days helping them out. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be there the, the first weekend. I'm going to mm-hmm. work Saturday and Sunday, the Hobie for the Hobie sun Valley booth. And I know Chad, Chad, you'll probably be there with Jackson and moving waters, right? Yes, I will be there the first weekend, the 16th and uh, 17th, I believe, are the dates. Um, but yeah, I'll be hanging out in the Moving Waters booth, uh, showing off the new Big Rig HDFD. Is it also an MD, DVM, PhD, or? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, I tell you, it's a, that's a lot of stuff to get out in one breath. It is. <laughs> well, it's a big boat. Yeah, it's got plenty of room on the side. <laughs> I picked it up and set it over the side of a pool this weekend. I can tell you how big it is. It's, it's <laughs> what, a big sized boat. What was what but, was that um, big uh, 
What was that? What's the big tit the native titan? Is that a 12? Or 13? Did they make a 13 and a half inch native titan? I think it's just a 13. I believe so, yeah. Or 13 and a half inch. That'd be an awful small boat. 13 and a half foot. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was over there talking to Mark Dixon at Moving Waters last year, and there was one sitting over there, and the rapper, he's like, oh, go over and lift that one up. I about died. And I'm used to carrying a Pro Angler 14, but man, that thing was heavy. That was crazy. So let's uh, let's move on. So we've got some, uh, I know we have some national events that are coming up uh, January, February, and March that uh, we've got some some Indiana anglers involved. So I think, does the, the 10 Invitational from KBF, does that start tomorrow? Yes. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm, I probably shouldn't say tomorrow because, you know, this is a podcast and people listen to it at various times. So by tomorrow, I mean January 30th. But And I know we've got uh, we've got two guys from Indiana fishing in that one, right? We've got uh, Scott Drescher and Brad Oswalt. I, yep. I believe that's it. Down on the uh, yep. Bienville, Bienville? How do, you, how do you say that? Benville, Bienville? Yeah, I think that's right. Plantation. Yeah, and that was an interesting one because uh, none of those guys going down there got any pre-fishing. Well, right, I... So today was a travel day for them. Um, I think they were having captain's meeting tonight and, then, and a meeting with Chad to go over some stuff, and then they're going out there and they have some multiple lakes to fish, right? So part of the challenge there is you did, they didn't get the pre-fish and they're you know, doing all their, all their research to figure out which one of the bodies of water to be on. I th- always thought that was a good topic of discussion too, and maybe we'll hit that one up uh, in a later episode. But sometimes I I uh, I question the power of pre-fishing. <laughs> so keep that one in the back of your head because I'd like to discuss that sometime. Uh, that's a four day. Is that four day event? I. I was kind of confused on how that event broke up. I know there's four days listed for the 10 Invitational, but then there's also, uh, is there a separate event that's just the 10, which is technically 11 anglers? Yes. That... Yeah, so... I think... I... Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Jim. Well, I think the 10 Invitational is... Uh, there's, I think there's 62 anglers in that right now, and they fish the 30th and the 31st and whoever wins that qualifies to also fish with the 10. So one guy could take all the money down there. And then they also have a third event, right? The big bass brawl. Yep. That's going on also. So if you don't make the, the 10, then you get a fish for the big bass brawl. So I see. Yeah. And then they extended it. Chad extended it out. So Casey Reed was the, the first person that didn't make it into the 10, right? And so if he finishes in the, I think it's the top 10 of the 10 Invitational, he can also get into the 10. So the 10 is actually going to, you know, possibly end up at like 12, 13, something like that. Still pretty cool. Those are. Yep. Be just a, an experience to get to fish those waters, I think. <laughs> For $200, yeah, it'd be awesome. Go down there and fish it. 
Well, that that whole event is just uh, it's it's pretty awesome uh, just to see all the stuff that they do and uh, you know the, the sponsors that step up for that. It's uh, it's really it's it's a top notch event. Yeah, there was a lot of us that qualified. I was planning on going to it, but I started a new job and I'll have vacation time at the new job, so um, I had to set out. <laughs> what was the qualification process for the Tempitational? Um, you had to win. A challenge was one of them. That's how I qualified. I don't, I don't know all the specifics, but that's how I would have won, would have qualified by winning a state challenge yeah then it was like either the top 50 or the top 100 in the 2018 angler of the year standings for kbf um so a bunch of different ways you could get in mm -hmm. any anybody on the on the horn right now uh focused on trying to qualify for that for 2020 oh yeah yeah, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to be there. I've already let them know at work that I was gonna be taken off if I qualified. <laughs> I think I think I'd rather almost rather go to. The, I mean, next year is gonna be at Gunnersville, so that's you know that's pretty sweet to fish there. But this this Temptational and the Ten, I think would be would you know if I had to choose between the national championship. And and the Temptational, I think I'd go to the Temptational. I really want to do both, but we'll see. Yeah, the um, you know kind of touched on it earlier, right? But that's definitely you know those kind of um, activities or something. You know, I'm going to branch out even more into the national stuff this year. Um, and there's a bunch of different levels, and this is probably something else to be talked about. If, you know, uh, but I know a lot of the other uh, live streams and that around have touched on it, right? As you even Richard Penny kind of said, right, the, the national championship is, is really kind of a spectacle, right? It's a way for uh, sponsors to get noticed. It's a way for anglers to get noticed. Um, there's always going to be a number of qualifiers in there. But if you look at the way that it's structured now, you have the trail events, which are leading to regional championships. They haven't published it yet, but I'm, I'm, my understanding is the KBF partners can also qualify people for the regional championships, which then out of the regional championships – that leads into an overall trail championship, which is going to be up in Wisconsin later this year, too, I believe. So, right, there's there's a whole bunch of uh, things going on here um, and and different levels and different ways to get into some of those those bigger tournaments. Mm -hmm. The next uh, the next big national event that's coming up uh, is going to be the first event for the new Hobie Bass Open Series. Um, Hobie has for for bass fishing has had a uh, had an event going on for like the last five or six years now. Uh, just the Hobie Bass Open on Kentucky Lake, and they're opening it up a little bit this year and running an entire nationwide series. Uh, the first event is February 23rd, so coming up just what, five, four, four more weeks, and uh, they're starting out on Chickamauga. And uh, I know we have at least two anglers from, or three anglers, four, four anglers, there we go, from uh, from Indiana that are going that, that I'm aware of. I know uh, Jim and Jackson Orr are heading down, and Nick Matthews and uh, Aiden Darlington are planning to fish that one. 
Um, that'll be pretty interesting to see how that plays out this year. I know they're they're uh, they have big hopes and 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 great planning. And if if those events come off half as well as the Hobie Bass Open series has gone on Kentucky, or the Hobie Bass Open has gone on Kentucky Lake, that'll be that'll be pretty awesome. Um, so the, two, the shows the last two weekends, I've had enough people twist my arm. I'm going to go down there too. Oh, you're going to head down to Chickamauga? I am, man. Oh, this, yeah. I, everybody's just talking it up so much. Right? In February on Chickamauga, there's some big monsters going to get pulled out of there. Yep, that's going to be a good time. I'm glad you're heading down there, man. Be some more, some more people to keep an eye on for sure. But it's uh, probably a little too early for frog fishing, though, right? Yeah, yeah, not going to be frogging then. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, there was a there was a person down there last week. Um, if you guys have seen any of the posts out there, um, they pulled out a, a fourteen pounder. Can anyone so. here right now imagine catching a fourteen pound bass in a kayak? <laughs> It'd be a blast. <laughs> I, I could probably take out some of that qualification there and say, "Can anyone on this call right now imagine catching a fourteen-pound bass?" <laughs> Regardless, yeah. but I cannot imagine what that would be like in a kayak. So, so when you, you ca- when ride. you catch yours in on February twenty-third, Alan, you'll have to let us know how it goes. How it was. <laughs> Yeah, it take a little while to get settled down from that. I'm, I'm not sure I ever would. I might have to keep my, I might have to call my cardiologist and have a little chat with him after that happens. Yeah, I can tell you that 26 inch hybrid I caught on the river in October, <laughs> um, right, and that was a rush. Yeah, and it wasn't even something that that I could put up for the tournament. But you know, it's such a good time to get a big fish like that that. Um, having something that qualified for the tournament would be unbelievable. Those hybrids are, uh, they're very aggressive. They're, they're a lot of fun to catch. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it was eight pound test and, uh, it just started pulling drag and, you know, I didn't know. I mean, you know, I'm on a river, right? I don't know if I have a 40 pound catfish or, <laughs> or, or what. And, uh, after a while you just try to start saving line and catch up to it and, yeah, that was a good time. What river was that on? Uh, so everybody keeps asking me that, and uh, mm-hmm. that was a funny tournament because uh, Kyle King and I were, were debating um, about fishing that, and I said, okay, I'll do it. This is the night before the tournament, so I'm going to do it. It was uh, right after IKA Championships the next day. All right, so I had to drive from being up in Angola uh, and be to uh, Cincinnati, Um by daybreak the next the next morning yeah i remember that so kyle was was talking he says man i got this location and uh i've never fished it before but it looks really good i said sure right that's i'm up for it so we drove over there and i honestly even to this day i can't tell you what what river it was (laughs) hey i met him in the dark we went there we dropped off the kayaks parked at the other you know the, the takeout point and uh yeah i couldn't tell you where it was today you should you should check the location information on your photo. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> the uh let's see, March twenty eighth then is the big KBF national championship down in Louisiana. Did I say that right? Lu- Louisiana? 
Is that right? A little, a little more twang on there. It'd be all right. All right. Let me see what I can do. Louisiana? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm putting too many syllables in there. I need to run some more together. Um, we have 16 anglers from Indiana signed up for that one. I see on the list, I see uh, an Alan Reed and a Jim Strunk. You guys both still planning on going down? Yes, sir. Yep, it's going to be a blast. I just uh, want to throw a little something out there, and I know you guys are aware of this, but uh, those those two guys right there, Jim and Alan, are road warriors, man. I know. Uh, they, uh, I, they it, it wore me out just watching all the stuff they did last year. Spent a lot of time on the water last year. In the road. <laughs> yep, in the road. I was talking to uh, Jim Orr this week um, at the Hunt, uh, Honey Creek show, and uh, he said, uh, hey, how many miles you got on that new truck you got? I, I told him what it was. He's like, yep, you'll add another 35,000 miles to that this year. Yeah. I hope it's not that many, but, man, you look at some of those guys out there um, that are, you know, hitting some of these trail things, and, and that's what, you know, kind of to plug these, these local things we have, right? If, if you don't if you don't have the vacation time, you don't have the money, right? You you just don't want to get out and do some of these other nationwide things or you know the bigger series, right? We have these local things to get that, but we have had some people that have done that, right? I mean, Brad Oswald went out this last year and uh, right, he fished a bunch of trail events, and at one point he was up in the up in the uh, top standings um, for KBF Rookie of the Year, and uh, he ended up being the KBF. Um, Indiana Angler of the Year um, for us. So, man, there's some guys that put some some serious miles on going around to those kind of things. I know, uh, I know you were speaking with Jim, and I know he's put a lot of miles on his vehicle because uh, between uh, him and Jackson, they they tend to hit a lot of big national events too, and and uh, take some trips. <laughs> what what was the number he gave you on their Kentucky Lake journey? Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, he did 2,600 miles that week. Um, I did 1,700 miles that week, and I thought I did a lot. And then when he put another 900 on that, I was blown away. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that's one too, right? I mean, so Jim Orr, right? I mean, that guy bends over backwards for for those guys that are, you know, either either Jackson, I mean, his son, but you know. You know hauling around the, the kids now that are in uh, college, right? I mean, he'll do all-night drives to get those guys to the tournaments. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for, for a man that's willing to do that for his kid. Oh, absolutely. And, and the great thing to see about that, so so I see, I see a lot of parents doing a lot of things for kids uh, in all sports, right? Baseball, basketball, volley, volleyball's big here in Muncie. So volleyball too, and parents bend over backwards for their kids. But I see a lot of kids that don't necessarily flourish from it and don't necessarily appreciate it. But he is raising one heck of a young man because Jackson appreciates everything and works hard for everything he gets too. And so uh, it's been it's been a blast watching that kid grow up. And there's definitely going to be some great things. And I'm sure one day I'll be watching him on MLF going, hey, I know him. But, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that, uh, you know, we kind of 
talked about that a little bit there when we were talking about naming the podcast and Alan, you brought that up, you know, about his success and, you know, would he have success, you know, outside of Indiana if he hadn't done some of this national stuff. And uh, I think he would um, without a doubt, uh, primarily because, uh, well, first and foremost, he's talented, um, but he's a very, uh, very genuine, very likable young man. So uh, <clears throat> that's uh, so he's yeah, he's going to have a lot of success. He's got a, a very bright future uh, in fishing. Amen. I, I think he's got a bright future in anything he does, just because he already under at a at a pretty young age already understands the the value of hard work, and maybe that's one great thing about the sport of fishing is is it is uh, the reward only comes from hard work, right? Like you don't have a, a team of people to rely on to carry you through. You know, it's it's your own hard work and what you put into it's what you get out of it type thing. Yeah, along that same lines, I, mean, I, I don't remember which one it was. It was, was it Del Hollow or, or something like that, right? They'd been on uh, that group uh, with Jim, right? They'd been on some vacation for spring break, and then uh, he drove all night to get them to that lake uh, tournament. And uh, right, he and uh, Jackson and, and Aiden, right, they were both up there at the top. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean, Jim driving all night to, to get them there. And then, uh, you know, them getting on the water and getting business done um, is, is really great to watch. I'm awful. Uh, I'm awful happy this year. We we brought Jim Orr on as another member of the board of directors for Indiana Kayak Anglers too, and he's been awesome to work with so far. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the year working with him on this stuff. Yeah, a good addition. Good dude. Yep, for sure. Full show. Um, we probably ought to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, Brad, I know one of the things that you had discussed with me privately, and I think you kind of touched on earlier was, um, all of us as anglers sort of coming up with a message, uh, to discuss with the Indiana DNR, um, their current processes for regulating tournaments and maybe more specifically, if we could differentiate between kayak tournaments and both boat tournaments and i know um i have a little bit of experience with attempting to um run events on these dnr managed properties i know chad probably has way more with his experience with usa bassin um but maybe maybe brad maybe you could discuss with us kind of what your vision is on what you would like for us to do as tournament organizers and all of the anglers that fish with us uh, sort of the vision you see and what you'd like for us to try and do. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things that, uh, once you have everything in place, uh, for Indiana, it's not, it's not that difficult. Once you have everything and, you know, once you have your insurance and you have all that stuff in place, it's, it's really not that hard other than the fact that you have to put in a date. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they can deny those dates if they look and see there's, you know, if there's two other bass tournaments that want that date, uh, they can deny your tournament altogether, which I guess that could happen in any, any situation. But they really handicap you with, you know, uh, the 14 anglers, and after that it's a tournament, and then the, you know, the, the bond checks and, the, you know, the different things that you have to do. But um, I have a customer that actually retired from the DNR in Indianapolis, 
And uh, he's the one that suggested to me, uh, and I'll have to get online, there's a, a, a form that can be printed off uh, from, the, from their website. It's a, a change. Uh, I'll have to call him again to get the exact name of it, but it's a, basically a change in process form that you can fill out. But the other thing that I was kind of envisioning, and he even he kind of recommended this to me, was to uh, send some letters to our state representatives. And, you know, kind of what I was thinking there is if we could get somebody to draft up a letter, I'm obviously not the guy to do it, but uh, if we could get somebody to draft up a letter, uh, kind of a blanket letter that we could get out to all of our anglers that they could sign and date and send to their state representative, you know, requesting a change in format of how they handle our tournaments. Um, I had a really long discussion with one of the ladies up there in Indianapolis about uh, their definition of taking a fish is actually just the process of catching. Um, they don't, they could care less about that point, whether it's released. Uh, their definition of it's called taking a fish is actually catching a fish and bringing it in the boat with you. Um, so it doesn't matter if you release that fish 20 seconds later, they still consider that taking a fish. And so um, I was trying to explain to her how the CPR works. And I think she understood it on a personal level, but from state regulations, uh, it really didn't matter. But I think if we could start getting enough letters in front of the state representatives who can at least get the ball rolling. Um, you know, I mean, it's obviously not going to something that's going to change overnight, but I think if it's something that we keep chipping away at, uh, we could definitely uh, make that happen. So I guess, my first of all, that's fascinating to me that the, pro, the definition of taking a fish is just catching it when then you have size limits for what you can keep. So keeping and taking are two different things in their eyes? Uh, well, it, it, at that point, um, that's what I was, you know, I told her, I said, we do not keep the fish. We do not put them in a live well. We do not haul them around mm -hmm. the lake. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, this, just the process of catching a fish, even if it's catch and release, that's, that's considered taking a fish. Hmm. That seems odd to me, but. I, I just so you know, I've had that discussion too. We, we several years ago we had an event on Patoka, and I went through. That's the first time I went through this whole rigmarole on this crap, and uh, vowed never to do it again. And here I am having a tournament on a state park. But um, um, so what is it that you envision changing? So, um. So the definition of a tournament is where money changes hands, and there's more than fourteen boats um so would you like that to would you like kayak tournaments to just have slightly different um thresholds or not have to go through the process at all well to me i think yeah i think part of that is uh just the entire process um you know the, like the bond check that you have to send in the 150 dollar bond check mm -hmm. i asked him i said you know well what what's that all about and they're like well Somebody in a boat might damage something, and I'm like, "Well, you know, we're in a we're in a hundred pound boat. It's plastic. <laughs> uh, if we hit anything, we might damage our boat, but uh, we're not going to tear anything up." Um, yeah, I just think that uh, with them grouping us, you know, with what the bass boats do, mm -hmm. 
it's it's a completely different animal. And now, what the details of it would be, I don't know exactly, mm-hmm. but I know that uh, the, the criteria uh, is completely different for what we do versus what the bass boats do. So I know one of the reasons that they do it on the on the DNR managed properties, and you kind of touched on this earlier when you talked about. Um, applying for a specific date and they could deny it based upon already scheduled events on that day. Um, do you think it's still beneficial to try and manage the number of boats, whether they're bass boats or kayaks on a specific body of water on a specific day? Or do you think the impact on the water that a kayak has is negligible and, and shouldn't be considered part of that count? Yeah, definitely. Our impact that we that we have on a fishery is, uh, I would say, minuscule compared to a bass boat. But uh, as far as you know, uh, just, well, a lot of things. I mean, it's the uh, with the motorized bass boats. I mean, you know, there's and I know this is not a lot, but you you know, when you're running through a lake, obviously there's there's times that you know, fish get damaged from boats, uh, different things like that. Uh, and you have gasoline, you have oil, you have different things that can impact the fishery. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think they need to manage it. Uh, but I think that uh, for the kayaks, it definitely needs to be a different scenario than what it is for the bass boats. Okay. I would probably agree with that, although I do think that they need to st- – I, I, I think – so I'm not sure how to word this. I'm sorry. But um, so say they set some arbitrary limit of the number of boats that can be participating in the tournament on Patoka and say that number is a hundred and there's an event there that there's say there's two club events there where they're planning on each having 50. I don't think it's necessarily feasible to ne- to have a, a 50 kayak boat tournament too. Right, like, because even though our impact on the water and on the fishery isn't as high, you're you're still sharing that water for the purpose of tournament fishing. So I would think it would be necessary to still manage it that way. But I do agree that the the uh, bond and assurity for um, damage to the property is probably a little overrated there, or over over exaggerated, um, and also the usury the usury fee so like not only do you that this was the problem i had with the whole process is they wanted me to tell them the number of boats i would have well on an open event you never know how many people are going to show up exactly right? like we're 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 established enough now that we have a fairly good idea but i never know for sure how many are going to show up and so and then you have to pay that per boat user fee to the dnr at the end of the event and I don't know if you've ever looked at the fine print on that one because I didn't the first time. But the fine print on that is that you pay a it's two or three dollars per boat user fee, and you owe that exact amount or per boat, or I think the number's seventy five percent of what you say is going to show up. So if you tell them that fifty boats are going to show up and 20 boats show up and you collect two dollars from each of those anglers then you better come up with the rest of the money because that's what you owe 75 percent of 
of a hundred dollars. You owe seventy five bucks regardless of how many showed up and what you sold, what you collected. It's kind, of, it's kind of a pain. <laughs> that was even frustrating for us because we didn't even use DNR property. Uh, our our tournament headquarters was actually on private prop. Well, yes, private property. So that was kind of interesting, but. Yeah, I think I think something might need to change. Chad, do you have any input on that? Because I'm sure you had to deal with that a lot running USA Bass and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I, the ticket, um, and it's about 150 bucks. In case anybody's wondering, um, <laughs> so <laughs> at least it used to be. So I think one of the arguments that you could make um, on this topic every year you've got. Um, status reports being done of the lakes uh, where they go out they do electro surveys um, our kayak fishing tournaments um, offers a way of gathering some of that data without actually having to go around and, and do electro shocking um, which I'm sure it, it won't stop because there's multiple species of fish in every lake but um, our surveys do provide uh, a a great deal of data as far as length of fish and all, all that that could be turned and especially if you have anglers catching three to five fish and, and you have you know upwards of 25 to 30 anglers so so you're getting quite a bit of data there that you could uh, you know argue that you have to offer to the dnr you know that that would allow them to not have to go out there and do these electro surveys um that would be one of my arguments uh, with them. Maybe, maybe to and, add to that, not only can you provide them with with a spreadsheet of data, we could provide them with a folder full of photos too. Yeah, that's actually one and of the things I had a discussion location. with the one of the main guys up at the DNR was the fact that you know we are taking these photos uh, with with the fish and length and stuff. That that's something that they could probably tap into at some point in time. So that's interesting because uh, obviously a lot of the kayak tournaments are using Tourney X, but the other um, software that's out there or app that's out there is iAngler. Mm-hmm. And that's actually part of his agreement um, when you sign up to use his service is that yep. that information will be shared. Um, and, and I've kind of wondered, right, isn't it for that purpose? It, it is. In fact, that's how the, his software got started. Uh, he was actually approached by... I think it was in Florida. He was actually approached by the state DNR in Florida to ask uh, to ask if they if if they could get that data when he when they started building the software, and that was that's why that's built into the agreement is because that's sort of the history of the software is that they would provide that. So that's a that's a, actually a really good point, Chad. Something I never really thought to bring up in the argument for this. So. We definitely need to write that one down. Now, 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 as far as like the, um, I know we were talking about the um, the damage, call it the damage deposit or, or whatever you will. Um, that, to my understanding, so I'm going to use Patoka for the example because it, it's the most familiar for me. When you when you get your permit for that day and and that uh, that bond or damage deposit that is actually for the shelter house the bathrooms um any of that facility that's around that launch ramp area that you're using so 
if if somebody goes in there and damages that bathroom or whatever, you could lose your deposit. And and it could be it could be a pontoon boat crew. I mean, it, it could be anybody. It could be a bunch of people on jet skis. It could be a bunch of people just visiting the park that goes in there and destroys the bathroom for that day. Um, there's no cameras. There's no way to to tell exactly who it is. Um, I think I think what you're saying, one Chad, of the is bad things about. Go ahead. That's that's kind of one of the sad things about that deposit. You know, it's 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 pointed at us for using the facilities for that day, um, but it doesn't take into account all the other people that are using the ramp. Say May, June, July. Um, so yeah, that that's something that not only could be changed for just the kayak angling, that could be just changed for fishing tournaments in general, I think. And we've had arguments several times, and you know it's hard to get them to come off of it because we're, in a sense, renting that facility for the day. Right. So one of the things that um, that Summit Lake does, and and all state parks, I, as far as I can tell. So one of the pro- the process we had to go through to get our our event on there this year is I had to uh, fill out an application and pay to I actually had to pay to apply to have the tournament there. But then what they do is they go through and, and analyze what uh, they think our usage of the facilities will be and then um, come up with a, a fee for us to pay to have the event there. So they do it just a little bit differently to where uh, rather than us putting in a deposit and then them returning the deposit or taking the deposit depending on any damage, we actually pay a usury fee. So it's going to, I have to, uh, before we have our event there, I actually have to pay them the fee that they've determined will be the, our usage of the facilities at that point. So they, they sort of do it a little bit differently. Um, I, I'm not going to argue about whether it's high or low or not. It's, it is what it is. I can't argue it at this point, but, um, I think what, we, what you're also saying, Chad, um, talking about, you know, destruction to the facilities is, we probably need to add into our rules that no one is allowed to eat Taco Bell the night before. I think that's a, that's a, probably a pretty good plan and no biscuits and gravy on the way to the event. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know how we get it fixed. I know both sides of the fence need fixed. It, it doesn't matter if it's us or the, or the, the big boats. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of things in that area. That's just like Brad saying, you know, taking and, and capturing and all that, you know, that's, that's badly worded. It needs changed and, and hopefully they can get it fixed. Hopefully we can all get together and get it fixed. And it's better for not only us, but for, for the bass boat guys as well. And, you know, I'd like to see kayak tournaments. I don't know what a fair number is, 20, 30. Um, do we have less impact? Yes, we do. Are we still out there putting a hook in a fish's mouth? Absolutely. So we do still have some impact, just not as great as impact because we're not, you know, putting gas oil fumes into the air and the water. So with that being said, I think, we should have some different rules, but obviously we're going to have to have some sort of rules, and it's just trying to get those figured out 
perhaps what we need to focus up maybe where we need to focus our energies is uh figuring out who we could have this conversation with and and maybe trying to get uh like a consortium of of tournament organizers you know all of us that are running these kayak trails in indiana and then maybe some guys from some of the other uh, larger tournament series and, and just try and get everybody in a room together with some people that could, uh, may, maybe not necessarily the decision makers, but someone who would have an influence on the decision makers and, and someone with knowledge of not only how the process works now, but also why the process is the way it is so that we could have a, an open discussion about this and, and then determine some next steps on how to handle it. Well, my customer that uh, retired from up there, he was actually the guy that used to sign off on the tournaments as far as the, the dates and stuff. And he's, he just flat out told me, he said, man, he said, you know, he said, anything you get done up there, he said, the wheels turn extremely slow. Well, uh, welcome to government. Yeah, he said you just he said you just gotta keep pounding away at it. But he like he said, he recommended uh that we get, you know, some type of a letter made up and uh get to your state representative and then uh I'll I'll contact him this week and get that form. But he said there's actually a form on the DNR side, it's a like a change of process form that you can fill out mm-hmm. and send in. Okay. So it was interesting today, um we're you know, talking about the impact that fishing has right that so today was the first uh first day of the the new uh bass pro shop mlf series right and they actually did some stuff early on where they uh you know caught a fish and they were timing how long the fish was out of the water and uh i think it was ish Monroe, right it was 28 seconds right for him to get the fish unhooked get it on the scale get it weighed and get it released back in the water and and they're really promoting that too as well, right? So I think that, um, you know, they're trying to to do things to lessen on the bass boat side the the impact that we have on the fish. I think the big thing though with that is it, it's still it's great to see the the pro side of fishing taking that route. I mean it's it's a very positive positive thing, but at the local level that technology is still so hard to come by you know um it's very cost prohibitive you know a lot of these yeah and and you're still going to have you know take the toko lake for example at one time we had over 230 tournaments on potoko lake in one year and you know in yeah and, and you can look at the past 12 to 15 15 12 years and, and and you can see what it is now um you know when we first started going obviously there was grass everywhere the fishing was great and you know you can argue the fact that lakes come in cycles but when you run 10 weeknight tournaments five weekend tournaments in the spring summer five tournaments in the uh fall plus all the other and that that's just what i was running so, you know, right there, there's 20 tournaments just under my name. And then you you turn around and you have um, all the other trails that are additionally there. You know, you have FLW, um, Bassmat, the weekend series, and, um, you know, whatever else, you know, bass clubs pop up. 
So, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to control the impact when you've got, I mean, so many different things going on. You're talking about several trails that would have to, to abide by that rule or close down, you know, and mm-hmm. I think well, I that's, my, that's the hard part. I guess my point there was what they're doing on the MOF side more replicates what we're doing in a, in a kayak. Right. Right. We're getting it out, taking a picture, putting it back in the water um, versus, you know, and I understand the, the technical challenges of doing that in some of these smaller series. Where, you know, they're still putting them in a, in a live well, but, um, you know, at least it's being recognized there, right? And they're, and they're trying to do some things and, and maybe that, you know, maybe that way uh, or thought will, will trickle down into those other series to look at some other options. And perhaps that's another angle to use when we're having this discussion with the DNR is that, um, you know, theoretically we're, we're leading the way in the state of Indiana for, uh, better fish fishery management, right? I'm not, you know, obviously it's not perfect, but it's better fishery management. I think we can all agree on that than putting fish in a live well and banging around a lake for eight hours and then dropping them off wherever you stop, right? Not back where they were. But, but maybe uh, maybe utilizing that as an angle too for the argument about hey you know we're we're helping out with uh, measuring this and perhaps they could look at altering their rules for the bass boat tournaments if the bass boat tournaments are also willing to do CPR or do MLF you know the score tracker style of fishing maybe that's a way to try and uh, encourage those encourage more series to do something other than the tried and true live well weigh in type thing. It's a possibility. Well, all right guys, it's getting kind of late. Uh, you guys have anything else you'd like to discuss before we hop off of here for our inaugural episode? Uh, I think if we publish this, it'd be, it'd be good. You know, as uh, people are listening to this, you know, feed, uh, feed the comments back on some stuff you want to hear about. Absolutely. Yep. We've got some ideas that we'll generate, but you know, you guys are the audience. Yep. So that's right. uh, Two things uh, that I want to throw out. Um, We've talked a lot about tournament fishing and, uh, and Alan touched on it earlier. So I want to go back to that a little bit. Um, Some of the stuff that we do just for fun, um, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, just, you know, the little Snoopy rods or just a day of fun. But uh, I think it would be great, you know, for us as clubs to have a couple days set aside, you know, through the year where, where it's, you know, where we do, you know, all the clubs get together and we do some type of a demo day and just say, hey, you know, if you're new to kayak fishing, come on out. You know, we're, we're not only going to have our kayaks out here, we're going to have our gear out here so people can come out that are new, uh, try boats, uh, talk about their gear, just, you know, in general, uh, pick everybody's brain that's got some experience uh, in the sport. But I, I think that would be something that, uh, w- you know, in the future to look at um, and help draw some new folks in. And, uh, and folks that aren't necessarily interested in tournament fishing, but they just want to, they want to kayak fish. Um, thoughts? I really like that idea. And I think, uh, 
I think uh, you know Sayak has got some fun events going on, and and uh, um, what about to build off that idea? You know, you're talking about setting, <coughs> setting a data side where we do all get together and do something about that. Um, maybe we have three or four events on that same day throughout the state. And so people that would be interested might not necessarily have to drive two and a half hours to go check it out. You know, have one, have one in Northeast Indiana, have one in central Indiana, have a couple in Southern Indiana or something like that to not only, um, not only promote kayak fishing, but do it in a way that wouldn't necessarily have a big, uh, time suck for somebody. Uh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Have it all over the state and, and have all the clubs advertising it, you mm-hmm. know, several months ahead of time or weeks ahead of time. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I can, I can just about guarantee you, you're going to get, uh, you have the opportunity at least to have several retailers or manufacturers participate in that too, because, um, you know, most, most of your big retailers at least are definitely wanting people to get out and demo their kayaks and, and check out the different options they have available. Um, you wouldn't necessarily want it to end up being a, you know, just like a Hobie demo day, but I am sure, I'm sure between like fluid fun up North dry dock, Fort Wayne outfitters, moving waters outfitters in, in central Indiana, Sun Valley sports. Um, you guys have a couple dealers in, in Louisville and Cincinnati area down there that, that would probably be happy to provide some demo boats for people to try out. Uh, even, even manufacturers may want to get involved in that one too, like Jackson or, or uh or bonafide or anything like that i think that yeah, that's definitely where where the kayak fishing is headed right there's been a lot of discussion here lately about how do you get the recognition of those that aren't in the sport now right is is you know in indiana here right we have a limited number of of uh of people that are kayak fishing today right we can't just keep bombarding the same people over and over and over with the same stuff, right? So how do you how do you reach out to those other people? I mean, I can tell you, I, I stop at the gas station. If I got the trailer with the kayak on it, every single time there's somebody who wants to come up and talk about that thing. And so if you, you know, kind of doing some, maybe something like Brad's talking about there, and you you kind of create a little buzz going around there, it's going to get out to those other people that aren't currently doing it, and and get them to ask questions and. Um, not very many people I know that sit down in a kayak and say, well, that was just a terrible experience. I never want to do that again. Right? <laughs> it's totally opposite. <laughs> I, I really like that idea, Brad. Um, I think we should all take that as a, as a takeaway and perhaps uh, build on that idea a little bit. And perhaps we can uh, discuss that privately and, and maybe start promoting it once we come up with some, uh, some bona fide ideas here. I, I like that a lot, and we uh, could probably get a lot of your local, even the guys that participate in our club, to come out and and assist with it. You know what I mean? Just guys that guys that fish and enjoy the sport and want to pass it on to new people too. Just get them to come out and bring their kayaks and and uh, and help out with such an event. I, I think that's a great idea. And that's that's kind of initially what I was envisioning mm-hmm. is that you know the folks in the clubs actually you know coming out and doing that and. Mm-hmm. and you know, and if, if we could get manufacturers and, and some of the shops to get involved, that well, that'd be that'd be phenomenal. But um, the uh, the one other thing I wanted to touch base on too is uh, 
I, you know, I'd really love to see at some point in time in the very near future here uh, that, that we have some type of a, whether you want to call it a state championship or an Indiana classic that um, you know, all the clubs come together for at the end of the year. That would be, I guess, kind of twofold. Um, it would, uh, you know, your top guys would qualify for it. So it's going to determine uh, they're going to be fishing for their club championship, their angler of the year, however that club does it. Uh, but you're also going to be fishing for, you know, possibly winning a state championship. Uh, I just, that was kind of one of the things uh, when I started SIAC a few years ago that I kind of envisioned was, you know, it would be great to have, you know, the clubs that are there, um, their top guys come together at the end of the year. And, and I think a lot of the guys that are competitive, you know, uh, I think they would look forward to that as well, knowing that they're going to have the opportunity to compete against, you know, Alan or Jim or, or you know, Aiden or Jackson, uh, all those guys on the same lake uh, competing for that. I think uh, I think it's something that uh, could definitely happen, and, and personally I think it should happen uh, in the next couple of years. So is your idea to have – one event that would be each that one single event would not only be the state championship but also be the respective clubs club championship that's yeah that's kind of what i'm envisioning uh, now i don't know uh you know is that is that feasible i don't know that's kind of what i'm envisioning mm-hmm. um is you know we all have our year in stuff and they're always typically within you know uh 30 days of each other sometimes they're closer than that but uh, you know, if we, as a group, could get together and say, "All right, we're going to have the uh, the championship on this lake," um, you know, in October or September or whatever it is, um, and then create the schedules, you know, accordingly uh, to accommodate that. Um, and that way, the guys know that, hey, you know, we're trying to qualify to get to here at the end of the year, um, and you're battling for two different things there. I like it. And like, like you said, I think the, the biggest issue for something like that is I I could see, I could see two issues. Um, one is obviously the schedule. Um, scheduling as all you guys know is always a hit or miss proposition. (laughs) You know, it takes a lot of, a lot of headache and a lot of, uh, a lot of work to get that schedule out, especially with now, you know, as, as, as the sport has grown and there's, you're kind of starting to compete on weekends with, with national events. Um, definitely that would be one of the difficult parts. The other part would be like a location, you know what I mean? That's when you're, when you're fishing a statewide, championship like that you know somebody's going to have an advantage on the water that gets chosen for the event and i i don't think anybody complain about too much but it could be a possibility but i like it i think uh i think we definitely need to have some more discussion about that throughout the year for sure yeah i think there's a lot of things that uh detail wise that would definitely need to be worked out but uh but i think it's something that you know for the for the competitors, uh, I think if if you put that out there as a poll, I think a lot of them, I think the majority of them would be uh, pretty excited about something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I really like it. You know, at the end of the season, everybody's having their club championships, and then you got the tournament of champions and all that going on. Um, We kind of ran into this with Chad's group a couple years ago where we couldn't really find a good weekend or the weather fouled everything up or something. There was other championships going on, and he he, uh, ended up rescheduling it, and we had it in the spring. Um, so, I mean, that's a possibility. There's, you know, people's schedule are a little bit more open in March, probably. That's when, that's when, uh, Chad's group had it last year. It was in March in Lake Griffey. We all met there and fished. The fishing was terrible, but, you know, it's Lake Griffey also. So, <laughs> but it's just something else we could, uh, we could, you know, it's another option. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like if we separated, I mean, I think everybody needs to kind of have their their own club championship in the fall to determine all your qualifiers for everything else. But maybe, maybe you do separate it out and put the state championship at the beginning of the following year. Yeah, maybe that's good stuff. Did you have anything else, Brad? No, man. That's uh, I've I've actually I've really enjoyed this, guys. No, this is great. I love getting together and talking with everybody and. Definitely, uh, as organizers, we definitely have some takeaways from this, and hopefully, we can get some feedback from from those that listen to the podcast. We'll have, we'll uh, when we start promoting this and, and get this published and promoted, we'll uh, definitely have a lot of avenues for people to provide their feedback on the topics that we cover today, and then, like Alan said, provide uh, some input on topics they'd like to have discussed on the show. So, uh, hopefully, we can make this a regular thing and keep everything going and rolling and interview some folks and just just have a good time with it and uh and uh keep growing awesome appreciate you guys doing this all right guys um yeah so uh we're getting getting this year started soon we got the boat show coming up some some tournaments coming up nationwide and then before long we'll be getting started with all of our series so uh good talking to you guys and uh we'll see you on the water Yes, have a good evening. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Jason. All right. Bye-bye. All right.